Welcome back to the Grand Point Church Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Stein, and I'm so excited to kick off Season 2. We took a bit of a break over the summer as each of our campuses focused on their own message series, and now we're back with the series we've named, Really? We're going to spend some time in Genesis exploring the story of Joseph, which you know is full of really moments, and we're actually starting with the story of Jacob to set the stage. Today's message from Pastor Dan Culbertson is an amazing reminder that God will always meet us at the point of our need. The problem is, we're not always aware of what our need is, so God will lead us to a certain place where we're brought to the end of our abilities and schemes. It's here that God breaks into our lives and stamps His yes within us, assuring us of His presence on the journey to the very place He destined for us. Hopefully that wasn't your experience this morning when you were on your way in here. Uh, I think so many of us, though, can relate to that, right? We have those days where we just can't seem to do anything right. Like all this stuff keeps happening around us. No matter what we do, it seems like something gets in our face and causes an issue. and makes us just stop and say, really? Really? Right now? This thing is hitting me? I think so many, so many times the reality of life can catch up with us, right? We get to this place where we're just, we're just trying so hard and we're working and we're, we're going at it. If we're, if we're a believer, then maybe it's that situation where you, you are trying to be faithful to God and you're trying to work out what it means to have a relationship with Him and you feel like you're being faithful, but every time you turn around, things just aren't working out. Every time you turn around, you're at this place where you have to stop and go, really, God? Really? Is this what you have for me today? See, I think this whole reality is so common for all of us that we're actually going to do a whole series about this. (laughs) This month, we are working through the series, Really, where we are actually going to be talking through trust issues with God, talking through how we can come to a place where we can trust God even in the midst of those circumstances. The series is going to unpack the story of Joseph primarily. We're going to be looking at his life and all these different experiences in his life where if we were in his shoes, we most likely would stop and say, really, God, is this what you want? Is this is, was this your plan all along? That's what this whole series is about. It's about trust and trusting God. And because of that, we are using a single verse that is going to kind of be the theme verse for all of our campuses for this entire series. The cool thing about this is that for us, I think this verse is, is small enough, it's easy to memorize, it's something we can hang on to, um, because we all need those things that can encourage us and help us to live out our lives whenever we're stuck in those really moments. So we're going to be looking at Proverbs 3.5 here, um, and that is the, the verse that kind of covers all of this. is Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. I think this verse has the ability to be this incredible, incredible encouragement when we're in those moments where we can't help but step back and go, nothing makes sense. So God, what do you have for me here? Really, what is going on here? Some of you might remember a few weeks ago um, in a video that we had for an announcement, Pastor Lawrence mentioned we're going to be having a Vision Sunday coming up here in October. I love Vision, the Vision meetings we have here at the church because I think that It's an amazing opportunity for us 
to recognize the things that God is doing in the midst of our community here as Grand Point Church. So on that Sunday, we're all going to be talking about the same stuff. We're all going to be working through the same things. In fact, Pastor Lawrence is going to have a video that he's going to unpack some things for us. But there's always a few things that we do on Vision Sundays. First, we look forward. We look forward to what it is God is doing in the church and where we are headed as Grand Point Church. Um, so we always have this time where we, where we cast vision. We talk about where we're headed, what the next steps are for Grand Point as a whole, all of these things. But we also do something else that I think is really cool. We look back. We look back at the previous year and we look at all the ways in which God has been faithful throughout the year. We look at all of the ways in which God has helped people's lives become transformed. We look at all the ways in which God has, as a whole, moved us forward as a church and helped us become a bigger impact for His kingdom. I think, for me, what this has done is I have actually been able to, because I've been thinking so much about what have we done this past year, what have we gone through, I've been looking at my own life. I've been looking at the things that have happened throughout this past year that that God has used to grow me and to help me be where I am. In fact, when I look back, this past year has been an incredible year. There's been so much that has gone on this past year that, that God has just brought so much blessing into my life and into the things that, and into my family's lives and into the things that we do. But this past year was also an incredibly difficult year. There are so many moments I can look back and I know that I was in that place where I couldn't help but throw my hands up and say, really, God? Really? This is what you want from me? I mean, we face some crazy challenges. We face some hard transitions. All of these things that caused me to have to step up and to grow and to become more what God wanted me to be. That meant having some hard conversations. That meant having some invasive conversations. It meant having some conversations that forecasted the future. And when we look towards the future, that's one of those areas where we need to learn how to trust in God, isn't it? See, for me, I think I do really well at living in the moment. I do really well at just being where I am and, and just enjoying where I am and how I am doing things and all that. When I was a little kid, if you would have asked me the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know that I really had an answer. I wasn't going around, I want to be a firefighter or I want to be a T-Rex or, you know, whatever it is that, that kids say. Like, I didn't really have that conversation. In fact, when I went to um, high school... Towards the end of high school, I mean, it was like last minute that I started signing up for colleges. And I didn't even have, like, an intention necessarily. Like, I figured out very last minute, oh, I'm going to be a music teacher. Well, then I ended up changing away from that, and I changed away from the next thing, and then eventually ended up in pastoral ministries. So it was just this sort of thing where, like, I didn't even forecast my future enough in that regard. But I think for us, as we look at the future, as we look forward, that inherently has some trust involved. We have to learn how to trust God because God has promised things for us as believers. God has promised all of these different things, and God has also said he is faithful. So for us as believers, we need to be able to lean into that trust as we look forward and try and see where God is taking us, especially when we're in those moments where things don't seem to make much sense. I think this past year reiterated for me and re reinforced that God is faithful and he is going to keep his promises. I recognize that the promises God gives me, I think, on a daily basis, but too often I think I fall into the trap of believing that the things that God has promised don't necessarily apply to me in my life, right? How many of you guys can relate to that? How many of you can relate to, man, I've felt God 
or I've, I understand this from either reading the word or spending or being in ser- hearing sermons or talking to other people. I hear these promises that God offers, but I don't think that really applies to my life. I don't think it applies to me and what I have. I think so many of us can look at that and go, man, God's promises are amazing. It's so cool. I just wish they applied to me. We get to this place where we get stuck. But what we're going to talk about this morning is that all of us can trust that God sticks to his promises. All of us can trust that God is faithful. So where do you struggle with trust? Where do you struggle with trusting God in your life? Maybe you're at this place where you struggle because you feel like you talk to God, you feel like you reach out to God, but it doesn't really feel like he's listening. Or maybe he's not answering in the timing that you want or you feel like you need. Maybe you're in this place where you feel like you're doing what God wants for your life, you're trying to be faithful and you're trying to work things out, but you keep hitting these roadblocks. You keep hitting these frustrations. Every time you turn a corner, it's like there's another wall. And you can't help but say, really, God? Is this what you have for me? Maybe some of us struggle in trust because when things get hard, it's hard to be trusting. When the whole world around you hurts, it's sometimes really challenging to have faith and to trust in the midst of those situations. I know for me personally, when I get in those spots, I want to fix it. I want to, get, I want to take on the problem. I want to find a solution. I want to work through things. But so often, whenever I face problems in that way, and I don't trust that God is going to help me handle these things, I end up more frustrated with more anxiety and more tensions than what would have happened if I would have stepped back and trusted that God would be faithful in the midst of those situations. As I get older, though, I'm realizing that the number of people I trust in my life, the circle just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think that's probably pretty common for a lot of us, right? It's hard to put ourselves out there, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to give people the trust that allows us to have close relationships with those people. It's really hard to establish trust, but it's super easy to lose trust, isn't it? It just takes one thing. What ends up happening, though, is we take these trust issues that we have with the people around us, and we allow that to seep into our relationship with God. See, we think that God is going to interact with us in the same way that people interact with us. And so we think, oh, if I place my trust in God here, man, he's going to let me down and hurt me. He's going to cause these issues to come up. So when we hit all these tension points, God, are you listening? God, why is this happening this way? God, why is life so hard? When we hit those tension points, we bail. And we think that that trust is no longer placed in him. We, we don't place our trust in him because we don't think he's going to be faithful. We need to be able to realize that God is trustworthy always. That God is faithful always. That his promises are true. They just oftentimes aren't what we expect them to be. And they're oftentimes not in the timing that we expect them to be in. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. God's promises are true, and they are fulfilled through a relationship with Jesus. We just need to trust him to fulfill those promises to us. Because whenever we trust in the faithfulness of God and through Jesus, then we are able to give God glory in the midst of that. 
This morning, the primary story we're going to be looking at, like I said, we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph throughout this whole series, with the exception of today. (laughs) Today, we're actually looking at Joseph's dad, Jacob. Jacob has an interesting story, and I think for us to be able to understand the text that we're going to dive into today, we need to be able to understand a bit of the backstory. See, Jacob is the younger brother of a set of twins, Esau and Jacob. And while Rebecca, their mother, was pregnant with the two of them, God spoke to her and spoke over this prophecy, if you will, that both of these boys would grow up to become the head of a new nation. So there would be two nations that would come from these boys. So from their family, nations would grow. But then that also went on to say the older brother would end up serving the younger. It's kind of backwards, right? In a lot of the contexts that we, we exist in, the older sibling is the one who gets the inheritance, right? The older brother is the one who inherits the throne, not the younger brother. So naturally, this led to some tensions throughout their lives. I'm sure there was plenty of tensions to begin with. Twin boys growing up together probably already had plenty to fight about, right? But now there's this extra level of tension because they're all aware of this prophecy. They're all aware of this reality that God said would come to be. And Jacob, through his life, tried to manipulate situations so that they would end up in that answer that he would be brought up on top. And that involved trying to trick his brother out of, out of blessings and out of his birthright. It also involved, right before this story, Jacob going to their father who is blind and ailing, and so he's not able to really see what's going on around him, going to his father and basically tricking him into giving him the inheritance, tricking him into giving him the blessing instead of his older brother. Naturally, Esau is super angry about this. You just tricked dad into giving you this when it's rightfully mine, and he wants to kill Jacob. He wants him gone. He wants him dead. He is furious. Naturally, Rebecca, their mother, does not want to see her oldest son kill her younger son. So she actually devises this plan where she convinces Isaac, who is their father, to allow Jacob to go to their homeland in order to find a wife. She makes up the story that I don't like any of the women around here. They're not good enough for my boy. I want you to send them back to where I'm from so that he can find a proper wife. Isaac signs off on this, so Jacob is on his journey. Really what's happening is Jacob is running for his life. He is trying to get away so that his brother will not kill him. So he is on the run, and that's about where we pick up this story. So he's in the middle of the wilderness, lays down, grabs a rock for a pillow, and goes to sleep. And then in verse 12 of chapter 28 of Genesis, it says, And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God in this dream reiterates this promise 
that he has given to Abraham and that he has given to Jacob's father, Isaac. This dream and this promise is all about how your family, your descendants will become this great nation and through them the entire earth will be blessed. See, what God is promising here is the reality of Jesus. See, Jacob, in a few chapters later here, is renamed Israel. Through him, the people of Israel come to be. And through the people of Israel, Jesus comes. And Jesus comes to bless the entire world by offering forgiveness and offering salvation through his death and sacrifice on the cross. In verse 16, it continues, And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow and said, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth back to you. What happens here when Jacob wakes up is he's realizing the grace of God in the midst of this really moment situation, right? So what's happening here is Jacob has tried on his own to manipulate this promise. He has tried to get to this place where he could see the thing that he thought was going to be true, this promise of God. He was trying to manipulate it so it would come true. Instead, he is now on the run for his life and in the middle of nowhere with a rock for a pillow. And God comes to him and he gives him that promise regardless. See, what Jacob is realizing is God is faithful and he is faithful to his promise and he still offers this promise through his grace in the midst of a circumstance where he was probably stuck thinking, really, God? My brother's trying to kill me. I thought I was supposed to be like the golden boy here. I thought I was supposed to get all this stuff out of this. But when I tried to get there, this is what happened. God still gives him the promise, though. God is faithful to his promise, and it happens in a way that he doesn't expect it to. See, Jacob's response to this experience with God is to worship. When he finally realizes what is going on in this circumstance... He worships God. In fact, he builds this Bethel. Bethel means house of God. He builds this place of worship. And he also responds by worshiping and saying, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that you have given me. I'm going to give you a tithe. See, this experience that Jacob has with God changes his life, and it teaches him to trust in God. It teaches him to rely on God's promise. I think this is where so many of us find ourselves. So many of us are in this place where we maybe understand the promises of God or maybe we've at least heard them and and we want to receive these things that God has offered us. But because our circumstances in life are so challenging or the things we're wrestling through and we have all these 
really moments in our lives, we sit back and we say, God, I'm not seeing it. I thought you promised dot, dot, dot. So why am I here? Why am I in this place right now? A lot of times in those circumstances, we can't help but fall back on that thought of, maybe God's promises aren't for me. Maybe they're for someone else. They sound great, but my circumstances, they're different. They must not be for me. We need to learn, though, that in those really moments, we have to lean into God. We need to trust in His faithfulness and in His promises because He is going to deliver, because He is faithful. See, that experience with God is what allowed him to come to a place where he could trust God fully. That experience with God was that thing that reminded him that the promises of God are real and are true and that he is faithful. So how do we come to a place where we can trust in the promises of God? Well, we need to experience God. (laughs) We need to be able to understand who he is and what his promises are. And as much as this sounds like a Sunday school answer, one of the first steps of that is spending time in God's word. Spending time getting to know who he is. How can we rely on the promises of God if we don't even know what they are? The word of God is this place where God has spoken to us in a clear way, where he's shown us who he is, what his character is, and given us these promises of what he will do in our lives if we have faith in him and trust him. So many of his promises end up fulfilled through a relationship with Jesus. When we come into a relationship with him, his promises all of a sudden begin to grow this new meaning and this new picture of what things could be. But the only way we can know what those promises are is to spend time in his word. Here's an example of promises that absolutely apply to our lives. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Paul says here in verse 11, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. I think to understand these promises, we need to understand the context of what's happening here. Paul is in prison when he writes this. In fact, he's in death row. He knows he's about to be executed. He sends this letter to Timothy to encourage Timothy to help him understand what it is he is going through as he sits and waits death row. See, Paul is trusting in the promises of God. He's trusting in the things that Jesus has said to him. He's trusting that God will be faithful, and he is faithful. Paul says, if I have died with Christ, I will also have life with Christ. See, he understands that a relationship with Jesus brings real life. And regardless of the fact that he is about to be executed, he knows that he has life because of Jesus. So it doesn't cause him worry. It doesn't cause him anxiety. He goes on and says, if we endure, if we are faithful to God, then we will reign with him. He leans on this promise as he is awaiting execution. If we deny him, he will deny us. It's a little bit of a harder one to swallow, isn't it? 
Once again, Paul's saying, I know that if I reject Jesus now, when things look ugly, he's going to reject me. But he doesn't finish it there. He says, when we are faithless, when we falter, he is still faithful because it is who he is. God is faithful in the midst of this. I think as we begin to understand this faithfulness of God, it becomes incredible to us how God will meet us in our time of need. God will allow us to have experience with him that helps us learn how to trust him and to rely on his promises. My wife and I experienced something a number of years ago that, that was a huge event for us, that we experienced God in a way that I don't think we had before. And in that experience, we learned how to trust him. See, when my wife Amanda was pregnant with our second daughter, Zoe, at the first ultrasound that we had, they came back and said that Zoe had something that's called a cystic hygroma. Some of you who are in the medical field understand what that means, but basically what this is, is it's a symptom of some larger issues. It's usually a symptom of a chromosome deficiency. So the likelihood of her having something like Down syndrome or Turner syndrome or all the scary like multiple letter number syndromes became right in front of us. In fact, the doctors had said there's a really high chance she's not even going to make it through this pregnancy. She's not going to survive. There is nothing that we could have done in that moment to change our situation. Nothing we did was going to fix it. So we had to turn. And we had to trust God. We spent so many, so many days in prayer and, and seeking God in the midst of this situation. Because this, for months, every other week, we were going down to the hospital where all these tests were being done. And we were being tested for things. And Zoe was being tested for things. All with this reality in the back of our minds that there's a chance that our little girl's not even going to make it. And if she does make it, our lives are going to be completely transformed in a way that we never expected. Leaning into God's promise is the only thing that gave us strength to get through that situation. All we could do was pray and trust that God would be faithful. So for months, this is how it went. First thing in the morning that we recognized as soon as we opened our eyes was the situation that we were in with our daughter. The last thing we thought about before we went to sleep at night, if we got sleep, was the same situation. After months of this, God showed up. And God showed up in a crazy big way. See, all this time of prayer and all this time of, of just relying on his faithfulness and, and through the vigilance of the doctors that he placed in our lives for this, this whole season, this hygroma resolved itself. They did come then and say, hey, there's a chance that she's going to have developmental issues. We're going to have to keep eyes on her. She's probably not going to be completely healthy, but it looks like we're out of the woods for the, for the bigger, nastier stuff that you could deal with. Zoe ended up being born 100% healthy, 10-pound, 3-ounce little girl. Yes, 10-pound, 3-ounce. My wife is a rock star, by the way. It was funny because the doctors were actually like taking bets as she was born like, oh, man, how heavy do you think this kid is? He's practically a toddler already. <laughs> it was so funny. We learned to trust in the faithfulness of God in the midst of that. There was nothing but trust in him that could have carried us through that situation. Some of the alternatives that we had available to us would have been heart-wrenching. 
Because Zoe now is the embodiment of her name. Zoe means life in Greek. And Zoe is everything that encompasses life. She is a brilliant little girl in kindergarten. She's reading at a third grade reading level, so forget that whole delayed, (laughs) delayed educationally thing that they brought up. God has been faithful. We've trusted in God. And one of the things that we learned through this whole process and the experience we had with God was enriched because we spent time in prayer. Prayer is another way in which we can learn to rely on God and trust in Him. Prayer is so instrumental into us learning how to trust God. Telling God our day-to-day, releasing things to Him, is crucial to us developing this trusting relationship with Him. The thing is, God doesn't need to know the day and day of our lives. God doesn't need to know this stuff. He already does. But on our end, when we lay this stuff at his feet, it helps us develop a trust in him that we wouldn't find if we weren't constantly having this communication and experiencing God. The other thing that this does, besides developing trust in that way, is it also helps us to recognize the way he answers his promises, especially when it's unexpected. It helps us recognize the ways in which he delivers on his faithfulness. Like I mentioned earlier in that story of of Jacob, the blessing to all nations that comes through Jacob's family is Jesus. But the people of Israel, the Jewish people, by and large missed it. When Jesus came, they did not know what they had on their hands. See, they were expecting Jesus to be this conquering king who would run in and by force overthrow the Roman Empire. By force, he was going to take over and deliver them. Instead, what God does is he delivers them in a way that is so much greater and so much bigger than just defeating Rome. He delivered all of us by allowing us the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus and defeating death by his sacrifice and suffering on the cross. The expectation was completely blown away. When we spend time in prayer, we begin to recognize the expectation shift. We begin to recognize when God shows up in a way that's different than what we thought. And that leads to the last point that's important about us developing trust in God. And that is looking back on the experiences where God has shown himself to be faithful in our lives. The people of Israel do this throughout the whole Old Testament. Probably the most prominent time that they refer to over and over again is the parting of the Red Sea. When God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt and the sea is parted. They look back at that and they say, God has done this so he will do. He will be faithful. Zoe has become one of those Red Sea moments for us. When we get to that place where we're struggling and we're we're having a hard time trusting God and we're wondering if he will be faithful, we look back we remember what he has done. And we're reminded how we can trust in him, even when things are tricky and when things are hard. And we have those moments where we're like, really, God, are you even here? This is what's crucial about looking back, is remembering the things that God has done, not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of people around us. So sharing our story with other people can help encourage them as well as us when we begin to understand the times that God has been faithful in our lives. So how do we develop our trust in God's promises? It's through experiencing Him, through spending time in His Word, through understanding what His promises even are. 
through spending time in prayer as we develop this relationship with God and we lay things at his feet and show our trust in him in that way. And it's by remembering the things that God has done, knowing that he will do them again. As the team comes back up here to close us here in worship, I just want us to remember that trusting in God's promises is not always easy. There are going to be situations in our lives where our natural response will be to keep God at arm's length. But we need to remember and we need to learn to lean into God because God will meet us at our time of need. God will allow us to experience him in ways that builds our trust in him. Sometimes those ways are not fun, (laughs) but they will help us learn to be trusting in him and know that he is faithful and that his promises do apply to us. As we wrap up this service today, we're going to do so by singing the song, Yes and Amen. This comes directly from that passage of um, 2 Corinthians that we read earlier, that through Jesus, the promises of God are a yes in our lives. And our response is an amen and to bring God glory as we learn to trust in him and trust that he is faithful. This week, take some time to read 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22. What is the yes and amen that you need to hear from God? Ask for an encounter with him, open your eyes, then expect a divine visitation. The God who seeks a relationship will find ways to make himself known to those who look for him. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Grand Point Church Podcast. If you call Grand Point your home, we would love to have you check out some of the next steps we have coming up, like a new member class and child dedications. We'll add the link to those in the show notes or stop by the hub the next time you visit us. If you don't live near us, you can stay connected on Instagram or Facebook or watch our messages live on Sunday mornings. You belong here, and I'm so glad you joined us today. We'll see you next week.